podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, Ian has some news. What? It's been filtering out over the last few shows, but I thought it's time that we just address the issue head on, boss man. No sense in hiding the fact you've had a baby. I've been on paternity leave, correct. (laughs) But I'm back. Give us some info. Can't say I'm rested. I can't say I feel well. (laughs) I can't say that I'm even awake right now. But I'm here. Let's just back up a second, because we did an episode earlier this year about branding and naming. So what did you come to? What did you name the baby boy? Actually, this child named himself. He came two and a half weeks early. Nothing was ready, because I was sure that he was going to be late, because most first babies are late. So his room wasn't ready. His name wasn't ready. But his name was at the top of the list when we got to the hospital. And the hospital staff, super nice. You were having this conversation when you were going to the hospital? No, not when we were going to the hospital. But, you know, we had a name picked out that we we're really happy with. But it was kind of ever-changing, you know, throughout the pregnancy. This week, it was what it was. And we got to the hospital and we we're like, well, we think it's this. <laughs> and by like the fifth nurse, she was just like, oh, that's your baby's name. What? Yeah. The nurse put you guys in line. She's the experienced professional. She's seen agitated youths like yourselves in there. Yep. Totally. So his name is Nico. I love that name. He's happy, healthy, and I get no sleep. And that's okay. Congratulations, Dad. You're your greatest creation yet. And here's the thing. You're not alone. In our community, the DC and listeners of this show, the percentage, and we do a census every year, Ian, the percentage of listeners that are growing families is skyrocketing. And at our events, more and more babies and children are making appearances at the breakfast tables, at the meetups, (laughs) as accompaniments to their parents, the entrepreneurs, and some are even entrepreneurs themselves. And the cool thing about this is it means that our contemporaries are raising their children in this location-independent world. We've got a lot of people to turn to for advice. Is it fair to call then today's episode, Ian, is basically like a free advice session for you? Yeah, today's guest is someone who I spoke to at length just before Nico was born at our last event in Bangkok. Somebody that I respect, somebody that brings their kid to our events, and I see him interacting with this kid, and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I I bet I could learn a thing or two from him. My name is uh, Martin Reintjes. I'm married with uh, Rian Meddens, and we just have an almost two-year-old son called Maro. Ian, Martin is the CEO of Team Croco, a company which is basically a done-for-you split testing service. And I understand he's given you a great deal of advice about the topic. Yeah, he sent me some videos. He sent me some things to read. One of the things that he sent me to read was that babies make noises. And most of (laughs) babies' noises are actually correlated. I'm hearing some in the background, to be fair. (laughs) They're actually correlated to things that they want or need. They actually have supposedly a vocabulary from the time that they're born. And so I started to get really interested in this, obviously, because I have a baby and 
I think it's trying to communicate with me. It's kind of like aliens, you know? <laughs> I think it's communicating with us. And so now I'm starting to read all about what their different signs are and how you can keep them happy. So I started off by asking Martin why he thought this information was useful. It's really, really painful to hear your baby cry and see it unhappy. So you want that to stop as soon as possible. It really raises your stress levels. And early on, in like the first day already, when he was born, I made it a little game for myself just to get through the whole bizarreness that this baby is a game and every day is a new level. And I have to make sure that the baby survives to go to the next level, which helped me go through some situations when he was crying in the night and he had a dirty diaper and I had to change it. And then halfway I changed it. I forgot some of his clothing and then I had to redo it again. And then he peed all over the clothing again. So I have to redo it. And this was at like three or four at night. And I was like, oh, I can't take this anymore. He's like, okay, hold on. This is just like a boss level. I just have to finish this and make it through and then I'm clear and I did I didn't throw the baby out of the window out of frustration <laughs> so that was a bit of a detour the question was why I wanted to learn these things well it's, yeah, it's twofold one is eco the ecocentrical part where you just want to have your baby happy as fast as possible because it really raises your stress level and really feels uncomfortable so you want to make him happy again but also that you, at least for me, I really wanted to make an effort to give the baby the best opportunity to learn and to grow and to become this awesome person, basically, in the future. And so everything I can do to help him develop and grow better and understand him better, that's like a plus. And more pluses you have, because all the pluses they stack, so all the pluses you give him, the more opportunity he will get in the future. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I feel like you and I and a lot of people listening to the show are in a very unique position. And that's just in terms of like the amount of time that we have to give our children. I have friends that go to work all day. They don't see their child in the morning. Then they come home at night. A lot of times their kids are already sleeping or maybe they, if they're lucky enough, they get to do like a little bath time routine, read a book, and then the child goes to bed. They'll see them on the weekends. We have an overabundance, I think, in terms of our time and the amount of opportunities that we can give our children because we are in a unique position. You know, how do you balance that? Because I think it could be easy to focus almost all of your time on your baby. You know, you have a business that's creating good income. Maybe some of it's automated. You know, I can make the argument that, well, I should be spending 50% of my time with my child at this point. So how do you balance that? Because you're in a similar position where you have the freedom. Yeah, it's tough to make that balance. It can be a struggle every time the baby develops and grows. First, he's like an infant and he just wants to have milk and sleep. And then he grows and starts to crawl and stuff. The older he gets, the more fun he becomes. The first six months, they're kind of boring. It's super special, but meh. And then after they start to like really interact with you, that's the amazing part. And then you really want to spend more and more time because it's so much fun to see him develop. And you sometimes you just see him thinking and then he makes a realization and like, bling, there's a little light bulb over his head. And that's just amazing. You want to be there for those situations. But then again, 
it's also so much fun to build your business and to create something awesome. What I have done is that I try to work in the mornings until like 3.30 and then I spend some time with him. Like this is work time, this is family time. And same thing for uh, Rian, my wife. She has her own business as well. So we're really fortunate that we can spend our time, as much time as we need with our son. But we also decided, well, he should go to daycare because we think it's important for him to spend time with other kids and learn from that. So he goes to daycare two times a week. And that's from like 8.30 till 3.30. And after that, we can spend some extra time with him. You know, I'm in the beginning phase of this. I'm literally only a couple weeks into this. Can you see a time in the last, your son is almost two years old or he is two years old. Can you see where it's been most critical for you as a father to be involved during that time period? I don't think you can specify it like this. I think the older he gets, the more important it becomes because there's his life becomes more and more complex and you can help him understand that. We love to travel with him, for example, to make sure that he gets more and more experiences and how it works in your brain is that with every new thing there's like synapses created and I'm not a neurosurgeon or or a schooler like that but how I understand it is that the more synapses you have in your brain the better so we try to make sure to create as many experiences with him for him as possible so there will be more synapses there and he can use those later on in his life to learn things. One of the things that a friend of mine brought up that I think is interesting and both uh, controversial, he showed me this little chart, and I think this is in some kind of psych book or something like that. There was three categories. It was a great parent, average parent, and shitty parent, okay? And then there was underneath, there was the categories of great kid, average kid, shitty kid. There is a very high correlation between shitty child and shitty parent, but between high-achieving parents... In average parents, there's not a great correlation between high-achieving children. So meaning you can be a good enough parent or you can be an average parent and you can also be an excellent parent and the outcome seems to be similar. And so I wonder, you know, this isn't me slacking off, although this is probably going to come across as me sounding like I'm slacking off only only a couple of weeks into this. But I wonder how important of a role we play in, you know, in the first two years what have you seen as an important role? Because I can definitely see, you know, down the line, it becoming more and more important. But in these early years, I do wonder, you know, things like what you're saying is like building brain pathways and things like that. That all sounds like very important. But we all know people that grew up not in that environment and have become very high achievers. Well, there are a couple of things there that you were saying. First of all, I haven't seen like the graph and I you already mixed up like great parents and high achieving parents, which to me are two separate things. Could be combined, yeah. but usually they're not. So how I see it is that every little advantage you can give your kid, every little extra effort you can give your kid, the better it becomes. And of course, there will be plenty of kids who don't have these advantages and become awesome persons, awesome entrepreneurs or whatever. It's also about the personal relationship you create with your kid. Not so much if he will become a high achiever or not, but it's like you and him. What kind of bond are you forging? And that's super important because that's, well, the relationship between a parent and his kid, that's that's something special. And yeah, the more time and attention you give your kid, how deeper that connection will grow. It's two things. One of is this, the connection between yourself and your kid and also the connection or the 
way on how much of a high achiever or what he will become in the future. Yeah, it's interesting that point you brought up, the parent-child relationship. And my question was partially loaded there. I think, you know, setting your kid up for success could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. And I think especially today, like our society, our culture is so driven towards success, so driven towards accomplishments, achievements. But what a lot of people aren't talking about is like, hey, is your kid happy? Are they genuinely happy? Are they healthy? Do they have a good relationship with you? Things like that, you know, those things seem to be discounted from what a lot of people are talking about, which is like setting your kid up to be the highest achiever in the class, you know, things like that. I think you make a good point about that. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about is in terms of your business, in terms of other things in your life that you have going on outside of your child. One of the things that I've noticed, and again, I'm very new to this, is I have become so much more focused because all of a sudden I have this time constraint. You know, child takes up a lot of my time right now. And so I'm finding myself spending a lot less time doing things that aren't productive. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not pursuing my hobbies, my passion, my business, but I'm spending a lot less time, for lack of a better word, screwing around. Is that something that's happened to you in your life? Yeah, definitely. It gives a lot more focus in my life because, well, yeah, there's less time. And not so much that it's less time because I need to spend time with the kid. I want to spend more time there. So I make sure that I'm not goofing around when I'm working, but I try to finish up as fast as possible so I can spend more time with my family. And so in terms of the things that have dropped off for you, what are some of the things that you used to do in your old life pre-kid that you don't do anymore? I am really making a better effort to focus. I do watch a lot less TV or movies. That's one thing that I do a lot less or just like browsing social media and stuff like that. It doesn't really make me a better person to watch a lot of TV. I rather read a book now when I have some downtime. Speaking of social media and great ways to rot your brain and waste a lot of time, I want to talk a little bit about like technology and children. Again, I've been a quiet observer for many years and then now I've taken the plunge. But I've watched some of my friends do both. I've watched some friends give the iPhone and the iPad to their child at a very young age. And then I've watched some use it as like a pacifier. So only when they're out to dinner with friends, okay, this is iPad time, it's 30 minutes a week. This is special. What is your opinion on how these devices should be injected into your child's life? That's a good question. And it's a really interesting topic. I've seen that happen a lot of times with my friends. And it's amazing to watch these really young children already so in tune with navigating an iPhone or something. Right. On one hand, it's like super impressive. You look at that and you're like, this kid is going to be some kind of uh, interface genius by the time they're five years old. Yeah, definitely. Our policy is to let him watch as few screens as possible. We do see the value of watching certain YouTube movies. So we're Dutch, we speak Dutch, and I like to show him cartoons which are English spoken. So to give him already some English language skills there. And recently I met a, like, was it a Czech kid who could speak, who was five, six years old, and she could speak English quite well. And that was almost totally from YouTube clips, which is amazing. That's just like free schooling for your bilingual schooling for your kid. Another thing we do with screens is that he can watch a lot of movies or photos from friends that are sent to us through WhatsApp or we have some relatives in the United States. So we do a regular Skype with them. 
it's already, he's not yet two, but he understands like, well, we're calling now grandmother and yeah, I can talk to her. And she reads him stories through Skype, a little book. And that's totally normal. And that's a great way to interact with screens. We don't just give him a screen to pacify him just because it's the easy thing to do. There are so many other things you can, and maybe our kid is easy like that, but we can basically spend some time with or give him some time when he's reading a book or he's a kid he needs attention so give him the attention and it's not always opportune for you to give him that attention because you want to do other stuff but yeah tough luck it's your kid give him attention having said that when we cut his nails he can watch a tv show because then he just sits quiet and we don't snap off his fingers with the scissors (laughs) which by the way i almost did like day two there's one exception and that's airplanes when you're in an airplane there's no parenting rules. The only rule is to make it the kid as easy as possible. So let him watch the cartoons, give him food when he wants to spend a lot of time with him. You're in an airplane for hours. It's uncomfortable. Basically give him what he wants in limits, of course, but don't that an airplane is not the time to be a tough parent there. That makes a lot of sense to me. I've certainly had to set up rules for myself, and it sounds like you have set up rules for yourself too. I mean, we all know that this is some kind of addiction. So yeah, definitely thinking about how you're going to present that to your children, I think is important. It also helps me to to not look at my screen as much because I don't want him to emulate that addiction. Yeah, and especially in front of him too. So I've read some pretty damning information about what the result is to be holding your child while looking at your phone specifically when they're gazing up at you and you're gazing off out into the distance for long periods of time at your phone, that's not a natural thing to happen. Like the baby is looking at you for assurance, for comfort, and then you are simply not paying attention to it. You certainly did your research before becoming a parent, uh, Ian. If you ship small parcels in your business via FedEx or UPS, I've got an easy, no-brainer way for you to increase the profitability in your business. You need to check out today's sponsor, Refund Retriever. Here's the thing. FedEx and UPS both offer a full refund if they don't deliver your packages to your customers on time. But the reality is, is they're not going to automatically give those refunds to you. So it becomes a clerical problem, a headache, and so most of us don't bother following up with them. And that's where Refund Retriever comes in. It's a service that audits your invoices for late deliveries and other billing mistakes that you frankly don't have the time to notice. And here's the best part. You're only going to pay Refund Retriever when they find actual savings that they're making for you. That's right. Refund Retriever liaises directly with FedEx and UPS so you don't have to get involved. It's basically free money. If you're shipping small parcel packages, you got to check out today's sponsor, Refund Retriever. Let's talk a little bit more about the impact on your business. Specifically, I'm like very interested in how you grew your business while having a child because it does take so much time to tend and care to the child, especially the way that you're doing it with your wife. So one of the things that I can probably point to in your story is focus. So you cut out some of the YouTube. So it left more time for things that you thought were important, like your business and your child. But specifically, can you point to anything that you feel like has led to your business growth while having a child and how those two things are kind of growing together at the same time? When it's just you or just you and your partner, your wife, 
it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You can just goof off a bit or you can be a bit more risky. And when you have a kid, I don't want to make this like totally heavy, but it becomes you're now have to make sure that your kid will survive. So it becomes more important that your business survives because that gives you more resources to let your kids survive. So I think I've become, besides the focus, also a more business-minded person. Me, myself, identify myself as being a builder. I like to build stuff and I don't really like to serve clients or whatever because, well, they're annoying. I just want to build stuff. And now I'm transforming myself to become more way more sales-oriented person. So I realized that, well, if your business wants to survive, you have to do a lot of sales. So 2018, I declared the year of sales and I'm going to kill it, hopefully. But I have to learn a lot through that. And that I really have to step up my game there to make Team Croco like the business that I know it can be and become like a really stable, growing business there. And this is especially important as Rian is pregnant again and we're expecting our second kid halfway through the year. Double trouble. Congratulations. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've heard with the second child, it's not twice as hard. It's like 10 times as hard. So all this advice, all these stories that you're telling, I I think they might change once that happens. Probably, but it's uh, it's testing. You just um, see what works and then you adapt. What I realized is that people say a lot of shit about having children so right now you are just saying yeah what i heard is that and you get the second child it becomes not two times harder but like 10 times harder oh your life's over that's what they said when we were expecting our first child oh your child is over you can't travel anymore you can't do all this stuff no you whatever that's all bull that's just your assumption of what life should be. And like I already said, I didn't really change my life. I'm still traveling a lot. I'm actually traveling more now because Rian, my wife, she quit her job after the baby was born and she started her own business. Both are location-independent businesses that gave us a lot of more freedom to travel. And I'm still seeing my friends. I'm still pursuing my hobbies. I'm basically doing everything. And I'm also raising a child, which is also awesome. People say like, oh, you can't go out to dinner anymore because you have a child. I think Maro has, I don't know, maybe like 5% of his meals he's, he actually had in a restaurant. He really enjoys going to a restaurant. He knows that we have to order some food, so he has to wait for it. So one time he was really hungry and he just eyed the waiter and he said, food and he pointed to the kitchen <laughs> food or kitchen and he just wanted him to bring the food out because he was really hungry so he already understood how that stuff worked and he just enjoys his food and we don't have to give him an iphone or something to pacify him during the meal we just have a dinner with him which i think is also really important for him to learn how to behave on a dinner table and how to properly eat and also eat vegetables and also eat yeah whatever is on the table I want to go back to something you said there because super important, and I think you're right, is like a lot of people say, especially I think people that aren't super happy with their situation, you know, oh, everything's going to change. Oh, you're not going to be able to see your friends. But truly, I feel like I'm in a very unique position as are you in that we own our own time. We own our own destiny, so to speak, with our businesses, and we have the ability to turn it on and off the money flow when we see fit. And because of those things, it actually makes it so you can do a lot more, I think. 
Now, I could see myself in a traditional job with a fixed income, with a fixed amount of time that I could spend with my child. And you know, because of that job, basically what happens is you have the big chunk where you have to be somewhere at work, and then you have much smaller pieces. Oh, this is the time that's dedicated to my wife. This is the time that's dedicated to my child. This is my hobbies. This is my friends. This is eating out. But that's not really the way a schedule works for an entrepreneur, for somebody that controls their income source and also their time, is that all those things become variable. And so you can kind of move them around as you see fit. So, you know, I think some of this typical parenting advice, the people that say them live very typical lifestyles. And so, you know, for you and me and some of the people listening to this show, I think you're right. I think having a child has opened up a bunch of different opportunities. Yes, of course, it's more time consuming. Yes, of course, it takes more money than I was spending before. But that's to be expected in both situations. What wasn't expected, like you said, and I've experienced a little bit of this so far, we've already gone to two restaurants. We've already seen friends. We already went to a party. We've already done a lot of these things that we did in our normal life and we're just starting. The other thing that I'll say about that, and somebody told me this very early on, is start doing the things that you used to do in your old life pre-baby immediately or as fast as you can, because it's very easy to get into a rhythm where you don't do the things that you used to do because you use this baby as an excuse. So for example, a week and a half in, we left the baby with grandma and we went out to a party. And that's something that I think a lot of newborn moms feel uneasy about and certainly mine did. But it's something that we did because it was important, I feel like, to get back to life as we knew it before baby and understand that, hey, we can still live the kind of life that we had before this child. Definitely. I think you're you're totally right about both things. First, we understand that life is about choices and we made certain choices to maximize our freedom and the ability to decide how we spend our time and that now pays off being parents because well we can also use that freedom to spend the time with our kids or do certain things and also getting back to like a normal life or what you think is a normal what would be a normal life for you i think that's really important because if you do that then your normal will become the baby's normal So, for example, I work a lot from home and I still do that. So when I open up the computer, my laptop, I was just, oh, uh, daddy's working. Oh, he needs to put in his his little headset because uh, then he can listen to music. Or I don't know what he's thinking, but he links those things together. And same thing with restaurants. We like to go out for dinner. So we just take him. I think we took him to a restaurant when he was two weeks old or so, something. He basically slept through the whole sitting uh, the whole time. But yeah, he already experienced being outside, being in a bit more noisy environment. And that becomes his normal. Babies are really simple. They just need mother and father and a bit of food. And that's basically it. And you can provide it when he you take him with you. So that also makes it easy to travel with him. The kid doesn't need so much. He just needs you to be there. So if you are there, then anything can be normal. And there are so many children all around the world, different cultures, and they all have their different normals. So it doesn't really matter. You can just create your own normal. Again, we're in a unique position where we get to do a lot of traveling and we get to do a lot of observing of other cultures. I'm starting to think like, well, I'm taking this from here. I'm taking that from there. This is the European approach. This is the Asian approach. One of the things that I noticed in Asia early on and that I'm looking forward to with my kid is you know, Asians, they go crazy for all babies, but especially a little Caucasian baby. 
it's not uncommon to be sitting at a restaurant and have the ladies that work at the restaurant come over, pick up your child, entertain your child while you're eating. And that to me at first was a very strange phenomenon coming from America where you just, as adults, like you don't let other adults that are strangers touch your child. So that's one of the main differences that I've noticed in Asia and the United States. That can definitely be a, quite a culture shock. I remember the first time we were in Bangkok a year ago for DCPKK, and we just came off the airplane. We just checked in our hotel. We were hungry. We went for lunch. We brought Maro. We ordered food. And then the waitress, with our order, took the baby who was then nine, ten months old and walked away with him. And I already read about that this could happen. So I was like, yeah, this is normal. Relax. I told Rian, but she was like, oh, okay, I can see them. I can still see them. But everything was fine. They were just like playing with the baby. But that takes a bit of experience to, to get used to that. But I really loved that, actually, that in Asia, everybody takes care of your child. It's like it takes a village to raise a child, they say. And that's not certainly not true in our Western society anymore, because your child is like your little thing. And if somebody touches it, you can call the police. The same thing happens in Spain there. It's, it's a lot of fun to have the kids what they do there after when the sun sets and become less warm, they go to a little playground and that's just a plaza, a little square in the village or in the in the city. Like kids from all all ages, they just run around and play with each other. And that's so much fun to just sit on a bench and just watch the children and watch your own child uh, interact with these other children. And that's also something we try to emulate also back home or in other places to really make him play with the other children. Hey, look, there's a little girl. Go say hi. And then we help him to say hi. Like you have to shake his hands or something like that. And that makes him comfortable. Yeah, meeting new people, interacting with others. And I think that's that's a valuable skill that he can use later in life. One of the other things that you sent me in that email, along with the different baby noises, was a video of a doctor in California. He has something that he calls the hold. And it's a position that he claims he can take pretty much any crying baby in, cross his arms, basically put his hand across their arms, so head facing forward, and then pat the baby's butt. And in the video, the few babies that he showed that were crying that he picked up and he put into this, quote, the hold, they stopped crying. And I think one of the things that's cool about that is now I know maybe how to soothe my baby. But the other thing is that parenting is so available. Like I can go to YouTube, I can go online, I can go to different countries and see how they do things differently. We're at a unique time in history where we don't have to rely on our family to tell us how they did it. Now, that being said, what are your thoughts on on the grandparents? Because we have so much information available, it's not to say that I could do this on my own, but I, I have a lot of resources, right? In, in the past, it, we just kind of relied on our grandparents. How do you view your grandparents and their experiences? I love to see how much in love the grandparents are with our son as we are. You just see them light up and you see him light up. It's family. There's a, an immediate connection. There's immediate love there. And that's really special to see. So I love seeing that. There are some differences in parenting styles from what they think is right and what we think is okay. We let them do mostly what they want to do. So we did give some ground rules as in, please don't give him so much sugar. Or yeah, this is how we try to stay positive with him so don't say no a lot because that doesn't really help that's one big parenting tip don't say no or you can't do something to a child because 
a child doesn't really understand the can't part. And he just hears like, oh, I shouldn't touch the oven. Who? Touch oven. That's the last words I heard. Oh, let's touch the oven. That's how the child thinks. So what you can better do is the oven is really hot. That hurts. Maybe you can just stand here and watch the oven. And you say, okay, watch the oven. Okay, I should do that. So always give the child something that they should do so he can do that. And then he understands that, yeah, you give him an option. That's for you if when your kid grows up a bit. So the answer is not to say no, but the one of the answers is to give them options, right? And they're both, of course, options that are in their best interest. Right. This also works with adults, by the way. <laughs> and so back to the grandparents, you set up some ground rules no sugar or less sugar, don't say no. What are some of the other things that you have set up with them? Well, there aren't really that many because I also think it's important that Mao understands that different people do certain things. And if he can do something at his parents or at his grandparents, my parents, that he is not really allowed at home, well, that's fine. There's different houses, different rules. And he spends the majority of his time with us. And there he experiences some other things. So he can experience, it's, it's all experiences, it's all things he can learn from. And they raised us and we turned out fine. So how bad can it be? Another important relationship in this whole equation is your relationship with your wife. I assume that that's changed quite a bit. What are some of the things that you do to make sure that you still have a healthy relationship with your wife? Because now there's this third component of your relationship, right? Now there's this thing that's either part of the equation or it's a wedge in the equation. I think for different people, the child becomes different things. But for you, what has it become? I'm not sure if our relationship changed that much again. Before Maro was born, we talked about this and we concluded that the two of us were the most important part. We're the base of our family now. There's one, now a second one, maybe there's more in the future. Children, and they need our base to be solid. So we have to keep working on our relationship and make sure that we're both happy and be attentive to each other's needs. We both communicate a lot about, about our relationship. My wife, she's a psychologist, so she knows the importance of communication and she also taught me a lot of like talking techniques like asking questions giving compliments really listening and yeah if you if you keep doing that then nothing really has to change and of course there's this third component but that just gives you a lot of extra stuff to talk about one of the things that i'm hearing is uh, that you put a high importance on your relationship with your wife obviously your child and the grandparents but a lot of this like takes a lot of time and thought and like planning seems to pay dividends in terms of what the results are. Like it seems to be that the more you think about this stuff, the more that you're mindful of your relationships, like the better outcome that you're going to have. Or for me, it's like mostly about environment. Like I want to keep a sane, good, high quality, loving environment for everybody where people can thrive. In terms of like carving out time for that, and I haven't really thought about this much for myself, except for that my motivation is to create that kind of environment. What is your motivation for having such open communication and fostering these happy, healthy relationships? For me, it's, it's about self-development and creating a good life. And that basically is put before everything else because, well, that's what we strive for, right? A good life. I definitely encourage other people to stop, think and think about what they want, how they would their life to look like and what they should do to improve on that and become 
better persons and a better husband, better father. I think that's, yeah, one of the goals in life to do that. Do you have any other thoughts? Do you have one piece of parenting advice that you feel like is the most valuable you've learned in the last couple of years? There's a lot of people like us. I heard a lot of DCers recently and when we were at DCBKK. We're all growing up. We're all like the digital nomads. We were in the 20s. Now we're like 30-somethings and we're starting we're getting relationships. we maybe creating a home base. We're talking about children. And this is just a natural evolution in, in what we're doing, like these online entrepreneurs. And it's amazing to see, well, you having children. There's a lot of other TCS who recently become parents. And it's not so scary as it is. It's still your life. You can still live it on your terms. And I think it's important to realize that. And that's also something that's why I love that we're now doing this show, because it shows that it's just something fun to grow into, to become parents. And But it's also really scary because, well, we both, we like to do experiments. And this is having a baby. It's not really an experiment you can and you can't really throw out the kit if it doesn't work. So it's a really scary experiment. But the good thing is, and you don't know that when you're stepping in because it's so it's such a big thing. But what I've seen when I talk to you, when I talk to other new parents who who struggled with these thoughts as well, is that it's always worth it. So what I just wanted to share is if you're thinking of having children or you're really scared about having children, the impact it will have on your life, don't be afraid or try not to be afraid because it's really hard to not be afraid about the future for these kinds of things but it's still your life and you can define how you live your life and becoming a parent is a great step to live a more fulfilling life Dan, I just want to say thanks to uh, Martin for coming on to the show. This will definitely be an ongoing series, probably for the next two, maybe three decades. Yeah. Given the way that it's going for millennials. 30 years old is like the new 18. That's when they move out these days, I think. So <laughs> 29 and a half years ago or so. So to indicate the ongoing nature, we're just already going to number this episode. So it's going to be at tropicalmba.com slash parenting one. Because I assume we'll be... <laughs> We'll be revisiting this a few times. One more thing, Ian, I have on my notes here. We need to talk about podcast sponsorship a little bit. So this is the end of the app, but inside baseball before we go. One of the biggest things I've said in private conversations, people are like, hey, how did like the business do in 2017? I mentioned a lot of different things, but mentally, one of the biggest breakthroughs for me was selling ads on this pod. You know, we've been doing it so, so long that I had developed a sense for what it was and I had a I was kind of stuck in the mud. But by finding sponsors and partners for the program, it's been a win-win situation and it's added a, a critical cash flow to the company, especially because it's really expensive to produce the show. That's the reality. There was no offset for that cost. And I think when we had the other company, I was kind of thinking, we're ballers. That's what business folks do. You know, they write checks. <laughs> you came along and said, hey, bonehead. What business folks do is cover their costs and make a profit. <laughs> yeah, we're still at the cover or cost stage, but it was definitely a help last year to um, have sponsors on the show. And like you said, I don't think people quite realize what it takes to produce the podcast. We've got producer Jane, we've got Arison, and we've got me and you. We love it, but we love it when we're able to pay for it. So 2018, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to ask for partnerships, sponsors to come on 
and be a part of our show. And so if you're interested in sponsoring this show in 2018, generally speaking, ads are sold in a month or two month segments. And you can get in contact with me at ian at tropicalmba.com. Very cool, Ian. Looking forward to 52 plus eps in 2018 here at the TMBA show. Again, your comments and the links to everything that Ian and Martin mentioned in today's show, we're going to be posting at the blog at tropicalmba.com slash parenting one. And of course, we'll be back next Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.